Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Pacing the Pacers podcast. I am Indy Pacers editor Nat Newell. I'm here, of course, with our Pacers insider, James Boyd. Um, well, I think there's one obvious thing to start the podcast off with. Uh, Turbonus is gone. Turbonus is dead. We all know that after what happened last <laughs> night and what's happened yeah. recently. So now, what do we got for Batadze and Jackson? Is it Jack Tadze? I don't know which one. Is there a nickname yet for this? For this uh... <laughs> but I will say Isaiah Jackson was phenomenal against the Clippers on what was Monday or uh, yeah Monday night and, and I mean he just anything around the rim he can catch um and pretty much dunk um so he brings a different dynamic to the team as far as big man I know Miles is more of a, a spot up shooter and a shot blocker um you know Isaiah can shoot the three knocked down one last night I don't think he's a good shooter as Miles by any means but he's definitely a way better lob there than either him or you know Sabonis um, with those two guys out, he really just showed um, his potential. I think his upside is incredible. He's only 20 years old. And last night against the Clippers, he had 26 points, 10 rebounds, four dunks, a three-pointer, and two blocks. And, um, you know, in 29 minutes, I believe, which is an incredible amount of production. So, um, and zero fouls. You know, he had been struggling with foul trouble, jumping too much, and, you know, getting some ticky-tack calls. But he was disciplined last night. It led to his best performance of his career um, and again, the guy is only 20. Like the other night, we asked him, someone asked him about his mindset and, you know, has it changed since, you know, throughout his life? He's like, no, it's been the same since high school. You know, someone like Jeremy Lamb says that he's been in the league 10 years and Sabonis or others are like been in the league five or six years. Like high school is like two years ago. Two years ago, yeah. It hasn't changed so, in the last years. So. Yeah, of course his mindset hasn't changed. He hasn't changed much. I mean, he still can't drink, you know, so... <laughs> It was, uh, but I think that that was a really, a really, you know, good game for him. And also, you know, I'll let you talk about it a little bit, but you also got to see a glimpse of the other young guys who, you know, helped him along and, and pushed that team to a win. Uh, well, obviously, uh, one quick thing on Jackson: he's had four games this year in which he's played eighteen or more minutes. Four games is really a small sample size, but he's averaging seventeen and a half points, seven rebounds, one and a half steals, one and a half blocks, shoots fifty-six percent. He's even made half of his six threes. Um, I guess my question is, do you think that that's – is that what he could be? I mean, is that is he a legitimate 18-7 and seven type guy? Um, you know, I, I, probably not as a 20-year-old, but but do you think that's, that that's legit in what terms of what he can do? Yeah, I think it's legit. Um, I'm pretty sold on it, mainly because he has all the physical tools you can't teach. Um, he's – I mean, you look at – Sabonis, look at Miles Turner. Look at the guys around the league. There's not many guys who are kind of like that pogo stick type of player where they're a quick jumper, quick leaper. They run like a gazelle. They defend. Um, and he has the mobility, or as they say now, um, you know, a, a switch ability to, to keep going and keep, uh, you know, keep, keep guys on the perimeter and keep playing really solid defense. So um, I think that he's definitely a guy – 
you know, in a couple of years that could easily be averaging 18 and seven, if not pushing for like an all-star type of nod. Like that's how high his upside is. And again, he's 22nd overall pick in the draft. So, I mean, these are things that people hope to see from a first round pick. Uh, maybe not that late in the in, in the first round, but I mean, he he looked apart last night and it wasn't just last night. I've been, you know, covering the team, been on the road trips, been everywhere. He's shown flashes in every game. I think that when he finally slowed down defensively, he was better. And then you mentioned, obviously, uh, they had 10 active players last night. Uh, five of them were rookies. Uh, and that is really what led the team to the victory. Um, you know, what What are your impressions of, uh, I mean, obviously, we just talked about Jackson. I think we've talked a lot about our Duarte. Sir Chris Duarte has been talked about a lot. I don't know how much we need to touch on him. But, uh, you know, just touch on the other rookies and what you think sort of their upside is for this Pacer team. Oh, man. So the first thing I'll say is Dwayne Washington Jr. is playing himself into some money. Um, it's really that simple. He's on a two-way contract right now, along with Terry Taylor as well. But Dwayne's kind of been in the rotation more um, throughout the last two months or so, um, at least the last month for sure. And with every game, it just seems like he gets more confident. Um, every time season one goes through, it seems like he's automatically hot after that. I mean, the guys, I mean, all streakers are, um, I mean, all shooters, uh, not streakers, I'm sorry, but all shooters are kind of streaky. And, um, but he's shown like the ability to catch fire. And um, again, last night he had 14 in the fourth quarter, four threes, um, and just ripping the net. I mean, these, these are shots that aren't even hitting the rim, just dead eye, you know, shooter. And I think that regardless of what happens, you know, rest of the Pacers season, He's kind of played himself into a market where teams might look at him and say, hey, do you want to, you know, give this guy, you know, a one or two year deal or something like that, um, you know, for, for a minimum type of salary because of his shooting ability and probably his scoring ability. And he's also been able to put, put on the floor pretty well and, and play make. So I think he's, um, you know, done well with this opportunity. And then Terry Taylor's coming on a little bit later. He's only really played the last week or so in meaningful minutes. And, and he's a guy who's just a unique Body type, six foot five, kind of a bruiser, but he's another leaper. He's another, um, you know, a uh, guy who has a knack for rebounding, similar to Isaiah Jackson. Um, just a completely different body type, though. Um, you know, I, I would say that even now, there's still going to be questions about his size and, and how much he can be successful as a four, you know, in this league, you know, at six foot five. But I mean, look at his production, too, man. You know, he had eight rebounds last night and five of them were offensive, you know, offensive rebounds. So, I mean, these are – those three guys um, really just were the, the stars of the night last night and um, have really, I mean, just added some juice to the team. I mean, without them, we're looking at a team that was pretty stagnant, pretty stale with all the guys that were, that were healthy outside of T.J. Warren. I was going to ask you, I mean, you watched the play last night, uh, entertaining game, a lot of energy, all that stuff. Um and you watch the team when you watch this team play when all the you know when Warren and Sabonis not Warren because he doesn't play all this year but Sabonis Turner Lavert who did play last night Brogdon and it doesn't see it doesn't feel the same I mean are we at the point where they're just better off with some of these guys with these, with the regular starters not being around or are you not ready to go that far yet I'm not ready to go that far yet but I think that it's almost like perfect timing for them because of the trade deadline coming up. Um, because of the injuries, you're playing on your young guys and you're, and you're being forced to see what you really have. I don't really know how much playing time Isaiah Jackson would have gotten 
if Miles Turner wasn't out with the stress reaction in his foot and if Demonstra Simonis hadn't, you know, been put placed in the COVID protocols. And if Goga, you know, hadn't had a bruised foot. So it's kind of like these, uh, you know, this this string of events that's led to a lot of these young guys getting the opportunity. So, I mean, before that, the only younger player um, or rookie, rather, that was getting regular rotation minutes was Chris Duarte. And obviously he was, he was their top pick this year and he should get minutes, but – I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far to like better off without him or something like that. But I do think that it raises the question: Should you be sellers? You know, have you seen enough from? In my opinion, I think you've seen enough from Isaiah Jackson to move at least one of your big men. Um, that's that's how that's his. I mean, that's how good I, I think of last night, um, and also the fact that you drafted him in the first round. Um, and, and then coupling that with, you know, things coming out of Miles Turner's mouth where he's not maybe, you know, pleased with his role. Obviously, we haven't talked to him since his injury. So who knows how he feels today? But, you know, there was multiple times this season where he's voiced his displeasure with the team. And it makes you wonder, do you get off of his contract? He's getting like $18 million a year. And do you get younger? Do you get some picks? And do you roll with, you know, at least one of your young guys in Isaiah and, and kind of push your chips to the table with him? Um, it remains to be seen. Trade deadline's coming up. Everyone's asking me, oh, how come the Pacers haven't made any moves? But, like, I described it, you know, someone else um, last night. It's like, you know, you're in college and finals week is coming up. You're never going to do anything until, like, the night before anyways. So everyone just be patient because if the moves are going to make, they're not going to happen, in my opinion, you know, seven, eight days out. It'll probably be more of that 48-hour window. Yeah, I mean, uh, I should note that the fewer starters of that group I've looked at the numbers from the last two years. The fewer starters playing, the worse the team's record is. So even though it seems like they played better without some of those guys in there, it's not true. <laughs> so, um, and you, yeah, I, I mean, I, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I, again, I've said this before. When you look at Kevin Pritchard's moves individually, for the most part, I mean, everybody's got swings and misses. Um, uh, especially on the trade front, he's done a nice job. I mean, again, he hasn't won a playoff series. If you want to say he hasn't been successful as a general manager um, or team president, you know, I, you can't argue with that. So, but I think individually he's done a good job in these trades. Um, so I think you got, he's earned a little bit of, of uh, equity in that area. And you do have to assume that they're going to wait till the last second. Have you seen, I mean, you know, there's uh, rumors are out there all over the place and it's hard to know what's real, what's not. Have you seen anything involving the pace of trades that interests you at all in terms of that makes this team better? I think um, – I won't say better, but I think one of the more realistic trades would be Justin Holiday. He's kind of floating under the radar. He's played well, really, really well as of late. And I've heard his name, you know, kind of floating around and read different reports with him where the Pacers are kind of shopping around and hoping to get two picks back for him, I believe two second-round picks. Um, and that might be, you know, an option for, for a team that's really looking to, to get someone who's, who can shoot the three, um, defend relatively well. But the catch is, and, and, what I've, and I've seen my story get reposted, and honestly, now we've probably gotten a lot more clips on this thing the last week than we've had in weeks before is because – Every time someone brings up Justin Holly in a trade, there's someone on Twitter who says he's not vaccinated. And they're like, oh, I don't, you know, do you, how do you know that? And they plug my story because I asked him if he was vaccinated. He said he's not. He said he's not going to get vaccinated. So, you know, for a team like Brooklyn or the Lakers who can't, you know, Lakers really can't shoot a lick. Um, you know, 
you're looking like, oh, this is the guy we should get. No, he can't come and play there. They're not going to trade for him. So that makes the market even smaller. But I do think it's realistic for him to get moved for something like that. Um, I don't know about Karras. Karras has been up and down lately. I have no idea what his trade value truly is. I know that there's, you know, reports out that they, they want to like a first round pick and, and like a, maybe a young player to go along with the Karras. But Karras has been really streaky. I mean, uh, he, he had a really pretty good game last night as a distributor. I believe he had like eight or nine assists. Um, and then the OKC game, he was like three for 19. I mean, just just awful shooting. Some four shots where it makes you think, like, why are you even shooting that? If one, you're having a bad night. But even if two, if you're not having a bad night, why are you shooting that? You know, so we'll see. But I think at the end of the day, the biggest elephant in the room is Miles Turner's, uh, you know, foot. You know, they're saying that he's making progress. He's back on the court shooting. But um, as with pretty much every Pacers injury, it seems like, um, if it's not COVID-related, if it's not a minor thing, the uh, rule of thumb is like indefinitely. So we have no idea when Miles Turner could come back. We have no idea when Malcolm Brogdon could come back, even though he completed his 10-day rehab on his Achilles. He's, there's still no timetable for him. Obviously no timetable for TJ Warren. So it's hard to, to be a team willing to risk an in-season trade on a big man in Miles Turner whose foot isn't right. And you don't know when he's going to be back. I mean, it said they're going to update us. The update is that he's back on the court. Okay, great. But is he back on the court, like, playing in actual games is, is the thing everyone wants to know. Yeah, and I – boy, and I – do you think because of Jackson they're more willing to trade uh, Turner and perhaps take a little bit less? I mean, everything we've heard is they want young players and first-round picks, and of course they do. What else are you going to – what are you going to say? No, we'll take two seconds? No. So, that, of course, that's what's out there. But do you think they're more willing to take one of the – less exciting deals that we've seen. I mean, yeah, yeah we've seen the uh, Aaron Fox for Sabonis. We've seen PJ Washington and something for Turner. We've seen Obi Toppin and something for Turner. Um, do you think that they'll settle for that if uh, nothing else materializes by, or will they hold on to him into the off season? I think they'd hold on to him into the off season. I really do think that would happen. Um, I don't want to get everyone's like ruffles in a feather, but it's like, or feathers and ruffle, whatever the saying is. I'm I'm, I'm pretty young. I, I've never said that outside of this podcast. Um, but anyways, um, I think that if the foot lingers, man, um, they're gonna hold them and see what they can get in the off season, along with possibly looking at Malcolm um, Brogdon um, possibly being moved. Now, this is just me thinking. This is not them saying they want to move Malcolm Brogdon, um, but. Just so everyone knows, he can't get moved because of his contract situation and because of when he signed. But he will he will be available to be possibly traded um, just theoretically um, in the offseason. And then at that point, all things can go. You can look at every single possible trade um, instead of trying to you know hastily make a decision during the season. Yeah, I wonder if it's going to be a disappointing trade deadline for Pacers fans because of the injuries, um, like you mentioned, and because Pritchard might not see anything that he likes and he's got to and he's okay holding on to these guys through the end of the season. I suspect the players won't like that. Um, but, I mean, let's be honest, the team, the more the team loses, the better off it is in terms of um, the lottery. I don't think Rick Carlisle, uh, Greg Doyle posted a column today. He asked Carlisle that flat out last night, and Carlisle said, uh, no, we're playing to win and all that stuff, as he should, you know, obviously. Um, but 
the the more they lose, the better position, the better they position themselves. Um, and that might change, you know, what you do if you have, say, a top five pick, and and what moves you're willing to make with that top five pick. Obviously, I don't think they would trade the pick away, but I think that that would be they would be like, hmm, if we get, you know, one of these, uh, you know, guys that come out of the draft who could be a cornerstone or a really good player, um. You know, I think if you're in top five, you probably want like a cornerstone type of player. If we're able to get one of those, does that change the trajectory of our trades and what we want to do with our pieces? So, you know, I, I would say I'm leaning more towards there being less fireworks than more um, at this trade deadline for the Pacers. Yeah, and I, I mean, even some of the stuff you hear, they want one pick or two picks. I always go back to, I mean, getting, even if you got two picks in the 20s for Karis Levert, should that excite anybody? I don't really think it should unless you're going to trade those picks for something else, use it as a sweetener to get something better back. Um, I mean, in general rule, if it's not a top 10 pick, it's pretty much uh, a coin flip on how good the player is going to be. Obviously, the coin flip came up uh, the right way for him with Duarte, and the higher you pick, the better. Uh, But the value of those picks doesn't excite me a whole lot. And the Pacers have been looking for young players ahead of draft picks. So it seems like they're sort of in the, in the same place. Uh, a lot of people have been saying, Hey, get rid of all these guys, start building around Jackson and Duarte. My question then is on a team that can win a round in the playoffs are Duarte and Jackson better than your third and fourth best players. And how much does that, you know, that's not, or do you think they're better? They could be better than that. Hmm. I think that I think that they those two guys. I mean, we're asking a lot, right? I mean, Isaiah just had his first start. Um, yeah. But I, I I think that that's a possibility. But I, I would probably lean towards more the latter, where they're the third or fourth best guy in a playoffs here, just because to win the playoffs you need stars. You don't need good players. You need stars. That's just the bottom line. Um. And I and on a tangent, you know, when Rick Carlisle returned to Dallas. Um, this wasn't on our itinerary, but I'll talk about it anyway. When he returned to Dallas, you know, he was, you know, had the tears in his eyes and he was talking about, you know, how, how great of a time he had in Dallas and that chapter being closed now, whatever. And he gave a lot, a lot of praise to Dallas and Luca and was saying that they're going to, they're like a real contender. They're a real force in the Western Conference. And um, no offense or no disrespect to Rick Carlisle, but. I was thinking, yeah, forget all of what he's saying. He, that's there's that's they're nowhere near being a, a title contender. They only have one star. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Like you need multiple. And, and frankly speaking, everyone I, I know, Luca gets a lot of praise. He deserves it. He has not even won a playoff series, has he? No, uh, I mean, so no, he hasn't. Exactly. And then it's not all on him. I'm just saying the pieces around him. Look at their team. I'm like, the in the playoffs, things slow down. And you need guys who are just able to dominate and, and just be just be better than the next guy. That's really what the playoffs come down to. There's a lot of scheming and things like that. You're going to play the same team for a week, two weeks. Everyone knows what you're going to do. Everyone knows that everyone sets. So it comes down to, are you just better than the next guy? And most of the time in the playoffs, at least in the NBA, those teams who win rounds or advance usually have stars. Look at the Suns. Look at the Bucks. I mean – it's it, only weird thing about the last decade or so is was the 2011 championship with Dirk Nowinski being like their one lone s- superstar in Dallas getting it done. But outside of that, man, I mean, Giannis last year, you can argue that Middleton and, and Drew Holiday maybe aren't superstar, but I mean, they're stars. 
Middleton averaged 24 points a game in, in the, you know, in the finals. So, uh, like I said, I'm going on a tangent here, but I do think that, you know, you, you need some stars, and, and, and that could be coming if the ping-pongs, you know, balls land right. And But also, I would, you know, caution Pacers fans who are always in my mentions telling me they're going to get Jaden Ivey. Um, this is not the NFL. Things do not just, you know, work out that way. You could be crushed if that ping-pong ball bounces the wrong way. You end up seventh instead of, like, three or something. So we'll see. Yeah, well, right now they're seventh in the lottery. I mean, they're not, uh, you know, and it's and they could certainly move up in the lottery, but right, they're closer to, uh, you know, they're, they're not as high as you'd like them to see to have a shot, to have a real shot at Ivy. You can always get lucky in the lottery. I mean, even you can get a much higher pick than where you're slotted in. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and that's, I mean, that to me, you know, even if you kept Sabonis and you had Duarte and Jackson, Maybe that's three of your four best players on a really good team, but I, even still, I'm not sure. The other advantage that you have if you have a Luka Doncic is you might get another player, another star who wants to come play for you. So that gives you, a, you, you make 100% your legitimate point that he's, he's all they've got in terms of stars. But maybe they have a little bit more luck luring someone. No one's coming to the Pacers <laughs> who's, a, who's a already an established star. Yes, yeah, I agree. Uh, for any, you know, in free agency, so. We'll see. I mean, the counterpoint that they the Mavs have made no moves since they've gotten Luca, and um, you know I believe this is his third or fourth year, so his contract's gonna be up soon. He's getting super max, and that's gonna change however however much money you can give anybody. So Pacers, if you're listening, you know you might want to make some moves or do something, you know before you're you're you know you get got some guys that can really start making some money, and obviously that that's a couple years from now and. Um, all things considered, I think that last night was not only a win, but like I tweeted out, you know, that was a hey, this is the future type of thing, and it was uh, it was fun to see. It was it was exciting game, um, and again, Isaiah just does stuff. I you know I try to take photos at the game whenever I can, usually throughout the first half when things are kind of just developing. And he, I mean, he's good for at least a dunk a game, at least one, and, and most of the time it's he's dunking on somebody. So he's a uh, He's, he's, he's the real deal. And do you think uh, Carlisle will start playing him more regularly, no matter what? It's um, so one thing that's been a little odd is they've made, you know, so, there's some talk on Twitter. Why doesn't Lance Stevenson play more with Sabonis? Because they work well together. That win now move. The other question is why aren't they playing Jackson more when, which is a future move. Um so, uh, I mean, why, do you have any sense of how much Jackson will get to play uh, going forward? I really don't. I would hope that he gets more playing time. I mean, he looked better than Goga has in any game, and Goga started um, a few games this season. Um, he's out to believe he's actually shot the ball better from three than Goga, too, as, as far as in, and taking way less attempts. Um, and then I think for me, I just need to be able to see, okay – you know, is he going to be your third big off the bench? Like, assuming, you know, Miles comes back healthy, Sabonis comes back from the COVID protocols, in my opinion, Isaiah should be your third big off the bench. It's really that simple. Um, I think he's shown his potential. Um, but the rotation with Carlisle can be kind of funky sometimes because, you know, Isaiah had like a, like a DNP um, in Oklahoma City. You know, he was... Carlisle was saying he wanted Terry Taylor in there because Terry Taylor's a little more, I guess, uh, maybe stronger or mobile. But I, I didn't really understand just not playing Isaiah at all um, in OKC and then coming back and playing him in, in Dallas. So 
and then they they've done O'Shea small ball, you know, Shaper set small ball five sometimes. And I don't know, like the big man rotation for the Pacers is just so weird. And honestly, the injuries and, and the illness to to, to DeMontis um, just made it easy for me to know, okay, well, these guys are definitely playing. Like I haven't been able to say pretty much all season that, that these bigs outside of the, the two starters, to bonus, it's like I don't even know who could be the next guy off night to night. You know, night to, uh, you know, next guy off the bench. Uh, let's try to end on a positive note with uh, you mentioned uh, that uh, T.J. Warren and Malcolm Brogdon were playing one-on-one after practice uh, and that they both looked good. I mean, obviously, we're not doctors. We have no uh, – uh, you wouldn't have them out there if they weren't making progress. But what did you see uh, just in the little glimpse of them today? It looked good, man, moving around. tossing a lot of, uh, you know, one dribble-like type of series where they'll go one-on-one and they'll, um, you know, try to do something where – it's like one or two dribbles and you got to shoot. Um, so it's not like you can just dribble endlessly. There, So you have to do like actual NBA moves because in the NBA, if you dribble more than two or three times, you're not Kyrie Irving or Steph Curry. You're going to get trapped. You're going to turn over. Something's bad going to happen. So you have to be able to get to your spots and shoot. Um, so it's exciting to see them go one-on-one. Um, TJ looks good. He's traveling with the team. I know everyone's – not everyone, but a lot of fans are always in my mentions upset about, you know, his situation. But – I can't fault him for being hurt. Like, I don't think he's asked to be hurt. I don't think he asked for his rehab to be as long as it is. Um, I will say I don't expect to see him the rest of the season. Um, if I mean, I know there's a lot of season left as far as games, but I just don't see it happening, especially because every time something happens, there there's never any, like, real update outside of, you know, he got another scan, he's made progress. And, again, the one-on-one is an update, but I don't know. And also, I don't know about Malcolm. I mean – he looks good, looks better, but again, that they're they're saying like they don't really know when he'll be back. So um, I wonder if they'll keep him out through the All Star break, just give him even more time to strengthen up his Achilles and the leg muscle in that area. So um, we'll see. But I will say it was personally good to see them out there playing, um, not grimacing, not in pain, looking like they really didn't have many limitations, and um, looking, in my opinion, explosive. From both of them, even, you know, Malcolm getting to the room a few times, getting past, you know, TJ and others. Janelle Pargo's always in there, you know, trying to get get some running, get a 10-day maybe. And um, it was good to see. All right. Hey, that is the Pacing the Pacers podcast. We appreciate you listening. Uh, this is Nat Newell with James Boyd. Please go to IndyStar.com for all your Pacers coverage. Thank you for listening. 